0: It's um it's a real privilege for me to be able to bring God's word to you today. And I was thinking yesterday about how it says in the Bible the word of God is living and active. So as as you're here now, your job is not just to sit there and kind of like listen to what well it is to listen to me please do listen but that's not it's like the word of God wants to do something in your heart because it says the word of God is living and active so what I'd like is we're going to do something a little bit different today what I'd like you to do literally for like 30 seconds I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and I'd like you just say Holy Spirit would you come speak to me today would the word of God be living and active in my heart that he would speak to me today so can I ask you just turn to the person next to you If you've got no one next to you, quickly move or just pray on your own. But let's just quickly pray. Yeah, God, we ask you that your word would change us and speak to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring revelation to our hearts, that we'd see Jesus clearly. You'd reveal more of your heart for us and more of your call in our lives. Amen. Amen. So if you've been here for the last three weeks, you'll know we're going through a short series looking at four words at the start of the year. So I'm just going to do a very quick recap for those of you either who have forgotten or who haven't been here. So the first word we looked at is the word come. And we looked at the invitation to you, whether you know Jesus or whether you you don't know Jesus, to come to him. How in the Gospels, Jesus says again and again and again and again, come to me. He says it to people who are in all sorts of sin. He says it to people of different ages, of different genders, of different races. He says, come to me. The people that society would go, oh, not them. He says, come. And today, if you don't know him, his word to you is, come to me. And if you're here today and you know Jesus, if you'd call yourself a Christian, he still says that to you. He says, come to me. Come if you're thirsty, Come if you're tired. Come if you're weary. Come if you've got questions. Come if you've got sorrow. Come if you've got joy. Come to me. Why does he say this? Because all we need is found in him. That is, whether you're a believer or not a believer, the same thing is true. All you need is found in Jesus. So that was the first word we looked at. The second word we looked at was the word follow. And we talked about how we surrender our ways, our thoughts, our plans to follow his thoughts, his ways, his plans. Not because he wants to steal all our joy, but because his ways lead us to total joy. We talked about how sometimes in following we have to choose a path of faith over the path of fear. And then last week Phil looked at the word wait and how... Jesus says to his disciples, wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that same offer to be filled with the Holy Spirit is for us too, that we're to wait on him and say, God, fill me, empower me, strengthen me. But he also talked about how sometimes we walk through seasons in life where we feel like we, there are times of waiting. And in those times, God wants to grow us and change us. So they're the three words so far. But today we have a new word, the, in, the smallest of them all, and it is the word go. I want to start off by telling you a little story. So one of my favorite things when I was first started school at the age of five was sports day. There was a massive build-up in our school to sports day. You, you made all these kind of rosettes. Everyone you know, got a rosette for running a race or whatever and you got told which race you were gonna be in and all of that. So at the age of five, my first ever sports day, I think it was, I was in this little running race. And what would happen, you'd, the kids would be all here, and there would be a whole crowd of parents all down here. So obviously, this, this little five-year-old Sarah was like, where's my mum? Where's my mum? I know she's here. Where's my mum? So I'm looking for my mum. But what I don't realise is, bang, everyone is running the race. I'm still there. I don't even realise they've gone. I'm just still looking for my mum. I finally see my mum and turn around and everyone have nearly finished. And then I have to run down <laughs> on my own. But I, I still have such fond memories of that thing. But I was... I was so distracted that I missed the instruction to go and today I just I feel like it's like God says to us lots of times in the Bible go but I think we can sometimes be distracted just by the busyness of our own lives or or, I don't know different things so today I want you to listen I suppose to what he says when he says go what is he saying to us because as followers of Jesus we're not supposed to be stationary going involves actions and it involves movement not just words so over the last week I've been looking in the New Testament at places where Jesus said go where he tells people to go and what he tells them to do and mainly I want us to look at the instructions he gives to the disciples to go into the harvest field but as I was preparing I felt there was a couple of other goes that I felt he wanted to speak to us about today so we're going to touch on them first um, okay the first one I want us to look at is from a story in John 8 and it's a story where there's a lady caught in adultery um, who comes to Jesus so I'm going to just read the story we're going to read the story together out of John 8 so it says this at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them the teachers of the law and the Pharisees bought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. We see the same instruction to leave a life of sin in John, in, um, John 5, when there's a paralysed man who Jesus healed. And I think both, in both of these passages, we see something really very beautiful. Jesus is not only demanding holiness from her, but we see him extending mercy. He is both healing and protecting. And today, Jesus has the same message for every one of us. Today, Jesus extends his mercy to you. In whatever you're walking through in your life, in your situation, he extends mercy. But he also says to us, go, sin no more. Now, when Jesus says this, he wasn't talking about sinless perfection. He was talking about returning to a to sinful lifestyle choices. Choices that he knows don't lead us for, to a fulfilled life. Because some, some people think Christianity is just about following a load of rules. Rules that are there to spoil our fun. But that's not the case, you see, because you have a designer who made you And the person who made you knows what is best for you. And he knows the best way for your life. And he knows that if you follow every desire of your heart that isn't towards him, that is not going to lead you to a place of joy or fulfilment. Following Jesus involves making choices. It It involves leaving things behind. It involves saying yes to him and no to other things you may desire but it is a wonderful invitation which is full of mercy to know a better life and he extends that to you today whether you've never said to Jesus Jesus my life is yours I want to follow you or whether you have said you want to follow him he still says to us go sin no more because my way for your life is better than the choices you will make to follow a life that goes towards sin. It's a life where we get to be friends with a merciful God. I mean what what an invitation. And not only be friends with him, we get to be transformed by him. In the Bible it talks about that he is the vine and we are the branches. We get to be attached, like we get to get his life in us. That from being attached to him, he changes us, he brings life in us and through us. It's I mean, what a privilege. So there is a cost. There is a cost for this lady to step away. There's a cost to step away from sin. But like we saw with the story Cindy told about the guy who sold everything to go buy the field because it had the pearl of great price, it's worth everything to step away from a life of sin to know Jesus. So that's his invitation to all of us today. Go, leave your life of sin. Not because I'm a killjoy, because I have got a better invitation for you to have a life following me before we go to Luke 10 and look at the, the, the final passage, I just want to touch on another go that we see. And it's one that's in John 15, verse 16, where it says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You didn't choose me, remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit fruit that won't spoil the second one is just a different translation of the same the same the same verse it's amazing isn't it if you actually if you actually stop and think about this like the god of the universe chose you and you and you he chose you to bear fruit I mean what an what an amazing privilege he chose you he has a mission for you that mission is fruitfulness he has a plan for you, hopes for you, a design for you, and it's fruitfulness. He put you here to be fruitful. It's amazing. I, I was trying to go, well, what does fruitfulness mean? So I, if um, you can put this up for me. Fruitfulness, it means remaining connected to Him and allowing Him to work through us to accomplish His purposes. To be fruitful means to live a life that produces good works and reflects the character of Christ. So you might be going, who me? Yes, you. He chose you because he wants to know you and pour his love into you. But in choosing you, he has plans for you to be fruitful, to reflect him. He has good things for you to do, to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. So a wonderful female preacher called Jo Saxton. And she, I was listening to her this week and she said this. She said, we are called to be walking, talking overflows of the kingdom of heaven. I was like, amen. amen. Like you are called wherever you go to be a walking, talking overflow of the kingdom of heaven. And I felt like as I was preparing this for some people today, God really wants you to know this. That he works through you to reflect himself to the people around you. And I kind of in my head almost had this picture of some of you have branches and you're kind of going, I can't see any fruit. Oh, I've been a Christian a long time, I should have much more fruit. And I was thinking, I think other people look at you and go, man, those branches are heavy with fruit because of the way you love people, care for people, pray for people. Things you do which cost you, you give of your time, your money the way that you cross racial barriers, age barriers, to talk with people, accept people. I felt like for some of you, I felt like he wants to challenge your perception of your fruitfulness today, because he sees you as someone who bears fruits. And if that's you, I think I'd really encourage you to ask Jesus what he sees in you, but also to ask other people what they see in you, which is a risky question, isn't it? But I think actually other people see stuff in us that we often don't see in ourselves where you are a blessing, where you bring joy, where you reflect the heart of Jesus. Okay, the last go we're going to look at is in a passage in Luke 10. There is a lot in Luke 10. I'm not going to go into every um, bit of the passage, but just some of the things that I, I feel to bring out of it. So let's read, let's read this last passage together. So this is where Jesus has gathered a lot of the, his followers And this is what he says to them. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of them to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. That doesn't sound like much fun, does it, that bit? Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is here, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. In the chapter before in Luke 9, we see again and again Jesus saying, follow me, follow me. But as we go into Luke 10, the one thing that struck me is that we're not called to follow, we're actually called to go ahead. Called to go ahead to introduce others to him, to represent him, to be a herald. I don't know, how many of you have... um, watched a series called the crown on netflix and if you watched it a couple of people so that the crown is a (coughs) series about the royal family in england so Mm -hmm. it's pretty much the life of queen elizabeth and what happens is as you go through the series obviously it starts off with the birth of their children then the children get older and then you get their eldest son prince charles and you get this moment in one of the episodes where prince charles the queen is busy going to canada or something and they need someone to go to another country to represent the crown and so charles is sent to represent the royal family and we as children of the king are made in his image we are image bearers of the king and we not only reflect him but he goes you can represent me then what a what a like mic drop wow moment in the in the story like Jesus is going, you, as my children, I entrust you to represent me, who I am, to go ahead of me. So there is, there is a king who looks at you and says, I choose you, I choose you. I call you out of your life of sin. I choose you to be fruitful. I choose you to reflect me. And I choose you to represent me. I mean, what an amazing privilege. There is a king who invites you to be involved in the business of the renewal of all things. How amazing. Imagine, imagine Prince Charles going, sorry mum, like, I, can't, I, don't know, I don't know if I should go. And she goes, you have the royal seal of approval. And that's what our father says to us. You have the royal seal of approval to represent me. I think most Christians are very comfortable with the concept of following Jesus. But how do you feel about heralding him? I read this wonderful quote um, in one of the guys who's written a commentary on Luke, and it says this. Many might feel... I think I've got it on... on. (coughs) Yeah, brilliant. Many might feel that whilst following is within their capabilities, heralding is only for those who are specially gifted... But the passage contains more than one hint that every Christian is expected to do both. Exceptional people are not required. Let me read that again. Exceptional people are not required. It is the message they carry and the driving power that carries them which are exceptional. Greatness is measured by how much we are willing to walk in his footsteps and by how much we are willing to stoop down to serve others just as he stoops down to us. we don't need to be exceptional because we have an exceptional God. He does the exceptional bit. When I was reading this, I felt actually really excited because I was thinking... It says in the beginning in verse two, he sent them out two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. And I was just thinking about all of us, how we've been sent here to Rotterdam from all over the world. And you go, oh God, you've sent us here like a head. What, what, What more do you want to do in this city through us and through other believers? Like he doesn't send without purpose. So I felt really excited for... Uh, this church and going okay God well, what, what, you've sent us all here you've sent us with purpose, what more do you want to do a couple more things to look at in this um, passage before we draw to a close what did it look like for them to go into the harvest field as heralds Um, we're not going to look at this in a lot of detail but it's interesting how the language is of harvest is one of work and effort Harvesting is not like having a cup of tea and a biscuit. Harvesting involves effort. He speaks of danger. He speaks that it's sheep amongst wolves. He points to being really single-minded, like forgoing comfort. Leave your bag and your coat. Like, go, this is important. And going with a clear and urgent message of the kingdom of God. And I think similarly, our going to represent Jesus still requires our time and our effort and our comfort. It, it requires that of us. But the second thing that really struck me out of the passage is what they did when they went. How did they take the message and what can we learn from that? So if we look through the passage that we had, they engaged with them, those around them. They went into the nearby towns to engage with the people who were there. They went into people's homes to be a blessing, to bring peace. They accepted hospitality. They ate people's food, drank people's drinks. They prayed and healed the sick and they told them about the kingdom of God. I think the other thing which I just want us to remember as well is from the story of the Good Samaritan. This isn't just for, he didn't just do this for people who looked like them. This is about us crossing racial, class, age boundaries to bring mercy to show mercy and i think what i saw when i looked at this is the disciples weren't sent to go on a mission they were sent to live missionally one commentator says this jesus sends them to homes to live with people and bless them and share meals together jesus didn't send them out to invite people to a to a crusade or a conference or a church gathering He sent them to live missionly, declaring and demonstrating the kingdom. This is incarnational living, even as Jesus himself lived. He dwelt among us. Going requires that we engage with those in the culture around us. I think sometimes we can think the people who are really doing the going are those who (laughs) move to another country and do, go on missions, but actually we are all called, we are all in a mission field. I was thinking about my mission field. So uh, not every morning, because Phil is better at walking the dog than me, but when I do walk the dog, I walk up to our local Albert Hine and get a coffee, and I've got to, we've got to know, we've both got to know that, the ladies who work there. And there's one lady who, she particularly loves our dog, so we've got to know her the most, but she, um, she lives with constant pain in her back. From, I, I don't actually know why. But I know that she's now seeing a pain nurse who can help her manage the pain. And we talk and she, the other day, said how she'd worked on her own because other people weren't there and she went home and then she just has to lie down for hours. But I'm just trying to get to know her. I'm trying to give her my time, my effort. But it was interesting, I felt like, so I was even writing this, I was like, the comfort bit for me is then sometimes taking that extra step. So she told me how much pain she was in the other day. And we're in, the, we're in the busy kind of entranceway of Albert behind. So I did say to her, Look, I will pray for you. But what I really wanted to do is say, Can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. But it would have involved me stepping out of my comfort. So that's a, a challenge for me. But I think we all have challenges, don't that? Like that, don't we? Tomorrow, oh, what did you do on Sunday? We have a choice, don't we, to say, oh, I saw some friends, or we have to say, oh, I went to church. You know, I'm a Christian, and that's part of my life. We have we have choices, which mean we step out of our comfort in order to make steps towards introducing people to Jesus. I don't know if anyone other than me feels often underprepared, underqualified or overwhelmed by the call to go into the mission field. (laughs) Like the call to be, you know, to bring the gospel, to bring the kingdom of heaven. Um, So I was looking at what Jesus says to his disciples as they go and how... If you don't feel like you've got strength, perfect. Because he is the one that gives us strength. So I'm going to finish by looking at two things I just saw that he says to his disciples. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, he's speaking to his disciples and he says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go bear fruit. Go proclaim the good news. Go pray for the sick. And I think at this point, it's really helpful to know what your job description is and what his job description is. Our job description is to go. His job description is to convict, to heal, to reveal. And we go with his power and authority. So if you feel like you're going in your own power, you probably will feel overwhelmed. But we go with his power who equips us. That's why he says, come to me, be filled with the spirit. So we go because we've first come. We've come and we've seen who he is, we've seen that he's the one that empowers, he's the one that opens eyes, he's the one that equips us to be a witness. But the other thing I, I, which is gonna sound strange when it says um, we go as sheep amongst wolves, because I think, well I'm not just think, he sends them with provision. So he says don't take a coat or bag, don't take what you need, And you're like a sheep amongst wolves. So how can I say that we go with provision? we We know that because we know, if we look back in the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. The sheep don't fight off the wolves, do they? The shepherd fights off the wolves. So we go with a good shepherd. We are watched over by the good shepherd. In Psalm 121, he will watch over your coming, and going in Matthew twenty-eight, verse nineteen, he's, Jesus says to them, "I am with you." In Joshua one nine, he says, "You can be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go." So when we go, if you feel weak, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel under-equipped, know that you go with His power. In his, with his permission with his provision to be a reflection of him and I think that what a wonderful invitation from our Father I'd love us just to have some time um, to respond and there's, there's three things um, I just feel like as I was preparing I feel like I, God wants to, to speak to us about today I think for some in the room, I feel like today is an invitation to you. When Jesus says, come, follow me, go, sin no more. There's an invitation for people to actually go, do you know, I want to surrender my will and I want to follow Jesus. It's not about coming to church. It's not about going to meetings. It's not about knowing other Christians. It's about having a personal relationship with the person who made you. And he says to you, Leave, go, leave your life of sin Come follow me I feel there's an invitation today And if there's areas of your life Where you feel like you're a bit trapped in sin Again he says to you Go leave your life of sin Know the Holy Spirit today Empowering you, filling you Know his strength for your life So I feel there's one area And like I've already said I feel like there's some people who you, How you perceive the fruit in your life You feel fruitless And I feel like God wants to change your perspective of yourself today. I don't think that's how he sees you. I don't think that's how others see you, but I think you feel like you walk with a sense of regret about the fruit you perceive that you've borne. So I feel like um, God would want to speak to that as well. Phil, could I hand over to you? Is that okay? Okay.